0: Welcome to the Child Care Council's Chit Chat Podcast, where we talk about all things early childhood education and child care. I'm Courtney Jones. I'm a parent of two kids and by no means an expert on child care, but I know people that are. I'll be sitting down every week with experts to learn more myself and share my conversations with you. The challenging behavior of children is certainly a hot topic in the early childhood field. As small business owners, child care providers are tasked with navigating the challenging behaviors of children in their care. This episode features my good friend and colleague, Ellen Olson, and we have a candid discussion about the intersection of these two topics, business and behaviors of children. We hope you enjoy this unique take on these topics. We get a lot of phone calls about behavior that happens in programs and looking for solutions for how to address that. And you have this really wonderful and unique perspective on behavior as a concept and how it affects your bottom line. So I think it's fantastic because it's something that you don't necessarily think of when you're thinking about behavior. You're just thinking more of your day-to-day program.
1: Exactly. And I wanted providers to think about it in the way that it does affect their finances. So- Can you explain,
0: when we say behavior... It's kind of a, it's a big, (laughs) it's a big term. Can you explain what we mean when we say behavior as it relates to child care and uh, child care provider programs?
1: So when child care providers or any adult actually has um, difficulty managing a child's behavior, those behaviors are generally things like temper tantrums, um, an infant who cries all the time and won't be comforted, um, a toddler who throws a temper tantrum or who is throwing things or biting. Biting's a big one. Biting's a big one. Um, A preschooler who doesn't listen or is defiant and does the opposite of what you ask them to or throws toys or hits his friends. Um, Pushing. Pushing, absolutely. These are the behaviors that are challenging for grownups. And they're challenging for everybody because in the end, we don't want anyone to get hurt. And
0: I think that when you look at these age groups, that you're going to see behaviors, right
1: exactly <laughs> well, and that's and and that's part of the problem is that these behaviors are developmentally appropriate the it, that doesn't mean they're socially acceptable or they're safe. We don't necessarily want them, but all children are going to exhibit these behaviors at some point in time, right? And that
0: uh, they sometimes evolve, right? So so your biter might turn into a pusher later on, or so to speak. Or a screamer. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Yep. So what are some of the common problems that child care providers encounter when we have these kind of things happening in their programs?
1: So a lot of the times, uh, the way that providers will respond, whether it's a family group home or whether it is a daycare center, they will try to alleviate their teacher's stress or their, their own stress. And they will develop policies such as, um, first they'll call the parents. And then if they've had to call the parents two or three times to come get the child, they have a three strikes rule. We've called you three times, this behavior's not stopping, um, so your child's not there anymore. These behaviors are detrimental, not just to the parent, because there's a good chance they could lose their job from having to leave so many times to get their child. Uh, it's detrimental to the child because the child needs that consistency, but it's also detrimental to that provider's bottom line because now they have an opening. Um, In addition, that parent may be really annoyed and ticked off and may take that out on the provider on social media. And we know how bad press goes like wildfire. So both of these things, having the opening, getting the bad press, are really hits to your finances. The other piece of that problem is when you do fill that spot, you're going to get another child who has developmentally appropriate behaviors that could be the same as the child you just got rid of. It could be different, (laughs) but still challenging. Sure. Because these are the behaviors that children exhibit when they're stressed or frustrated or can't communicate with us.
0: So most often when we think of behavior in children, we don't think of that finance piece, can you explain the correlation between the children's behavior and your budget?
1: Exactly. So um, what happens when we don't have um, the right tools or skills to manage these behaviors, we either um, get rid of the child, say, I'm sorry, they're not a good fit for us, or um, we've had to call you three times. We're not doing this anymore. You have to take your child out. So in that way, um, then we're losing revenue. We're losing income. In addition, that bad press can cause us issues in the community as parents begin to lose faith in us. And then there's another piece to that that could hit our budget. When providers become overwhelmed and incredibly stressed, they're going to behave in a couple different ways. One way is they're going to ignore those problem behaviors and they're just going to take care of the quiet and good ones and let the other ones do whatever and that's going to set up issues where somebody could get hurt or go missing or have an issue that is going to result in regulatory violations or they're going to just start yelling and looking for a punishment, which then could also cross that line into regulatory issues, um, in, including emotional abuse. And then you have, that could result in a huge hit to your budget. What are some of the ways
0: that a child care program can, can make this an investment opportunity with the children? Because, of course, the opposite of losing money is making an investment out of this. So can you explain some ways that we can see this as an opportunity?
1: Absolutely. And this is my favorite part because we're looking for providers to get that return on investment. And it's not exactly always cheap, but it's not that expensive either. And it's giving our staff or ourselves or anyone that works with us with the children the opportunity to get proper, appropriate training. And this training is going to help them see what those behaviors are telling them and then how they can respond to those behaviors in a developmentally appropriate way. So if, um, Billy is biting all the time, instead of getting ready, Billy, we find a way to deal with that behavior. So when Billy moves up into the other classroom and isn't doing that more, and Sarah comes and Sarah's biting all the time, we know how to manage that now, Um, even if it takes that trial and error. Having appropriate training in not only behavior management, but also child development. Because what I see a lot are not problem behaviors, I see that there isn't enough developmentally appropriate toys or activities to keep their little minds and bodies engaged because their minds and bodies are moving constantly and they're supposed to be. And the other side of that too
0: is relationship building. Because when you get to know the children in your care, you're able to recognize those triggers, right?
1: Exactly.
0: So when you build that relationship, you might not only learn to see where those pressure points are that are going to lead to a biting situation, but they're also able to be supported by you when they're in those because they're often situations where the children either can't communicate or are frustrated by something, or at least that's my my experience is that those happen when there's some of that internal conflict or external conflict
1: and that's exactly right these these little ones don't know that what they're doing hurts or that it's unsafe and when we respond in an inappropriate way we're tearing apart that relationship when they need that connection more than anything and as we build that relationship two things happen just like you said we're going to recognize oh i see there's frustration building i better get over here so I can intercede if something happens, or I better start comforting before that happens. But the other piece of that is when we build that strong relationship, that child wants to please us, and they're going to look up at us and go, I'm not going to do that because that makes her unhappy. And it's just like when you were a kid and you didn't want to misbehave for your grandmother or that special person who made you feel like, you know you could do no wrong you didn't want to upset them so you really were on your best behavior and that's the same way if we build those relationships with those and that takes time it does and consistency and overlooking or meeting their needs when they're having that meltdown behavior
0: and it takes a lot of self control on because let's face it you've said this before it is a stressful job and and uh, you've got to be the person to be like this is this is hard But I know that in order for this child to pick it up, I've got to be the person to to wade through it, if that makes sense.
1: And that's another thing that I think, I hope, that training does to for, for providers to show them that it starts with you with your attitude with your self-care how are you caring for yourself so you're not bringing the stress of the last 6 months or the last couple of years with the pandemic into the children and not realizing that that stress is where you're reacting from so absolutely it's it's starting with you and creating that calm because children, we, t- we try to teach them to regulate their emotions, but they regulate using us. So when we remain calm and take deep breaths, they're using our body as their template for how they calm.
0: And I think one of the things that I saw recently that was really important, too, was when you get a child that's in that frustrated moment, that's not the learning opportunity because they're they're here you know they're way up high they're not going to take that it's time to take a calm breath the time to to sprinkle those in, are in the calm moments, and you're showing them when to use those calming breaths when they're not in that meltdown moment, when they're not in that frustrated and biting moment. Those aren't the times to open up that door. The door needs to be opened throughout the day in moments where they're receptive to learning.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, we get that way too. When we're in our brainstem, it's fight or flight. And when children get there, it's even more scary. It becomes a vicious circle because adults are screaming. This mm-hmm. doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to get out of it. So, so they don't stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other piece of that, what you said, is that um, when providers tell them what to do, not what not to do. You know, so when they see that good thing, oh, you shared that truck with Sammy, even though he didn't ask for it. That was so nice. Look at Sammy's face, how happy he is. When you catch them doing the things you want that are socially acceptable, that's going to make them beam with pride. And it's going to teach them those things that you're looking for. And you'll honestly, if they're engaged... And you're building that relationship and you're catching those good things. You're going to see a lot more of that than you are those challenging behaviors.
0: And catching those good things only helps the relationship too.
1: Exactly. It's, 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 Everyone wants a magic wand for behaviors. That relationship is the magic wand, but it's not something that you can just sprinkle. You have to really work at it.
0: Yeah. It's, I mean, I certainly know that it's, it's tough and, and dealing with the behaviors as they're happening are tough too. So it's,
1: it's hard, it's hard work. It's the hardest job on the planet, but I honestly feel like it's the most important. And that's why I feel like, and we can never stop learning. And I think that quality training is the key um, to getting that return.
0: And I, I feel very lucky that in our child care resource and referral agencies, that technical assistance and support that we offer here to providers, training as well, but that technical assistance too of being able to help providers, it's so necessary.
1: Absolutely, And following a training, we would love to come out and help you implement some of these. You heard about it in training, but you go home and put the folder on the wall. Let's come out and practice it in the wild. Let's see how that really works.
0: In and, your layout, in, in your, your layout. setup, with exactly. your children, with your program. Because, I mean... You have to be able to see it in your own space to make it come true, exactly. right? Exactly.
1: And so it doesn't matter what you hear. If you don't see it working, you're not going to believe that can happen. Mm-hmm. But if, some, if you get help from the child care council to come out and say, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that worked. And, and that's a good feeling. And that helps, I think, move that needle. Yeah. And I think that
0: it worked that That sentiment of oh, it, it worked. Sometimes that takes time to make it work because children, I, I know in my experience, children need that routine. and when they start recognizing it as a routine, that's when that magic really starts to happen of that's when you see that change when they've gotten used to that routine.
1: So that's what I often tell providers when I'm working with these uh, when the on behaviors is that sometimes when you try a new strategy, the children are going to do the opposite for a while. It's not going to work until it becomes that consistent, oh, she's going to respond in this way. Um, So sometimes you'll see them get a little worse before they get better. And that's not, don't think that it's not working. Just understand that they haven't seen this before, so they're not sure what you're going to do. And then as you consistently practice that, it will get better.
0: So Ellen, I know that In our role here at the Child Care Resource and Referral Agency, we have access to a lot of these resources that other people might not necessarily know of. So can you talk a little bit about if somebody wants our services or somebody needs help with something, what they can do and who we can help and what...
1: Absolutely. So for child care providers, number one, we offer training. And if it's a center, I often build a training specifically for their needs. So they tell me what the situation is. I build the training. They look it over and see if that's what they want or their licensor, either way. Um, for other people, we just offer trainings once in a while that is going to help them get some of that. Uh, In addition, we have intensive technical assistance, which is where we go out into the program and help them in real time, um, model some of these techniques and strategies, do activities to show them how those activities can be done in a developmentally appropriate way. And also, while we're doing that, we see if it's working. If it's not working, we change gears so that providers can see that you have to adjust that. We also have all kinds of resources that we can send, um, articles from Macy, articles from, um, you know, child development programs that talk about what children need. But it's not only for providers, family or group family or, or daycare center teachers we can also help parents if they're having an issue my son is biting what do I do Mm -hmm. Um, I love it when parents call and we can send them information and I've had parents call me back and say I didn't believe that was going to work but it did and thank you so um, anyone who needs information or support for these behaviors that can be stressful um, is welcome to call and we will help them in any way that we can
0: And I will make sure to have our information in the show notes so that anybody can reach out to us, whether it's online or through calling us to get that support that they need. One of the other things that I know, too, goes along with everything that you said for child care providers is we might be coming out for biting and say, you know what, I think it's the space. And we might have suggestions for how to rearrange your space that might help in those transitions. And in the common places that you're seeing those issues, it might be related to something that you didn't even
1: think of. We find that a lot. We find that a lot, that these behaviors are triggered by um, just too many bright colors, uh, an inappropriate schedule, um, not enough materials, um, not enough sensory activities or movement activities is a big one. Because children move constantly and their minds are moving even faster than their bodies. So um, if they're not moving a lot, if there's a lot of sitting, then we're going to anticipate those. But people don't think about that.
0: Well, Ellen, I think this conversation has been incredibly useful and helpful. I know a lot of people are going to get a lot out of this conversation that we just had, which is very exciting because it's a new take on something that, uh, let's face it, we're all, we're all dealing with, with these behaviors because they're developmentally appropriate. So I thank you for this conversation and thank you for lending your expertise. Thank you for the opportunity.